our series on there's an app for that. And so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And so if you'd like to and you want to get your Bible, you can turn there before we get started. And before we get started, I do want to let you all know that, uh, let's see, this is the, I think this is the fifth year, fifth year in a row, we have a team that will be going down to, to Haiti. Uh, they'll be, uh, we'll be leaving next Sunday. And so uh, just to continue the embarrassing thing here, um, for those of you, the guys and ladies who are going, if you would, for those in the second service, if you'd stand up, for those of uh, you who are going to be going to Haiti next week, uh, Tippy Watts, yeah, look, all right, yeah, thanks, Peb, for doing that little quick little uh, stand up. We've got a, yeah. Uh, we have uh, we have 15 people who are going to be going down to, uh, or 14 people who are going down to Haiti next week. Greg, did you stand up? All right, just want to make sure. Uh, we're going down to Haiti next week, and they're going to be, uh, um, I say they, because I'm going to, I'll be supervising. Uh, but they'll be uh, tearing off a roof and putting on a brand new roof and doing some other construction work down there. So the, these guys and ladies do a great job, and we are, our church is the favorite church of, that goes down there for this mission group. And it's because we have so many guys that are gifted in, in construction and just do a, a fantastic job. And so we're, we're excited about being able to go down. So next Sunday, next week, remember the mission team in your prayers as they go down to work, pray for their safety. They'll be down Sunday and then be back on Friday the, the next week. And so anyway, just thought I'd throw that in there. We are, we are continuing our series today on There's an App for That by taking a look at Google Earth, which is a great app. Uh, before we get there, there was a, a man that was going out with one of his buddies. They're going to play golf. And so we're out playing golf. And uh, after he finished playing golf, he came home, and his wife was irate. And she said, where in the world have you been? And he said, I told you I was going to be playing golf. And she said, it does not take 18 hours to play a round of golf. He said, you don't understand what happened. He said, I was having the best game of my life. He said, I was two under par after seven holes whenever my buddy Harry had a massive heart attack and dropped dead. He said, after that, it was a nightmare. And she began to say, I'm so sorry, what happened? He said, man, it was hit the ball, drag Harry, hit the ball, and drag Harry. Now, anytime you tell a story about somebody who's sort of focused in totally like on themselves, never look real good, do they? Um, just an example of this is during the NFC Championship game. If y'all watched that, did y'all see uh, Richard Sherman when he was interviewed? Uh, after the game was over. Now, obviously, a great player. First service, I was the only person that watched that, so it was useless for me to say this. Uh, but anyway, he went on this incredible rant. I think it scared Aaron Andrews to death, but he went crazy. Now, the thing that was so bad about it is that all the attention, he placed all the attention on himself and kind of took away the attention from what the team had done. And so whenever we talk about self-centeredness, a lot of times we can, we can point out people that we say or think are self-centered and we don't like them very much. But, but here's what I know about myself. I struggle with self-centeredness too. And, and the fact of the matter is I like it when the world revolves around me, you know? I like it whenever, whenever everybody's going to do whatever they can to make sure that I am more comfortable than anybody else. But whenever I have those feelings, believe it or not, there are times whenever I actually am convicted about that, which is a good thing. And I'll be convicted about it, and I'll begin to think, you know, I would, I would like to live my life in such a way that, that I wasn't just living for me, I'm living for others. I'd like to live my life in such a way that, that I'm living not just simply looking out for me, but that I'm looking out for God's purposes, 
And that's one of the reasons why we're continuing this series. There's an app for that by looking at Google Earth today. Now, I don't know how many of y'all have looked at Google Earth. I mean, I'm sure most of you have. I mean, it's really a neat app. I mean, you can pull up Google Earth, and you can, you know, from like a satellite, you can zoom in. I can zoom in on your houses, and I do that. You know, it's, I'm just kidding. About you can, which is actually frightening. But one of the neat things about it is if you go on a trip, they have this uh, the little thing called flyover. I don't know if you've seen that. Where if you're driving a certain route, what you can do is you can put in flyover, and it flies the route that your car is going to be driving. It's just, I mean, it's just so entertaining and fun. That's what I do at the office all day. I make up trips and say, what's it going to look like? But when that, from a from a different perspective, it shows what the topography looks like, and so it just gives you a totally different view than you just sit in your car. That's why we're talking about Google Earth today. Because I really believe that what God is seeking for us to do is to go beyond ourselves and not just look at life from our perspective, but to look at life from His perspective. And man, whenever you do that, it changes the way that you view really everything. And so today what we're going to see in our scriptures, what Jesus is doing is He is moving us away from self-centeredness to begin to move towards selflessness, to begin to move towards being more and more like him. And that's why we're going to read today in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Uh, for those of you who've grown up in the church, you might be familiar with the scripture. It's, you know, it's called the Great Commission. It's where Jesus says, you know, go therefore, go ye therefore into all the nations or into all the world. And he goes on from there, and we'll talk about that. But, but when Jesus said this, it's really important to understand that Jesus said this as the risen Savior. He said this after he'd conquered death. Jesus does not make the statements that we're looking at today as one who's getting ready to die. He's not getting ready to go to the cross. Jesus didn't say this stuff, saying, hey guys, don't forget about me because I'm not going to be here much longer and I want my life to count. I mean, Jesus is saying this as one who has power. And he wants his followers to know of his power. And he wants his followers to know of the commands that he gives to his people. And the command we're going to see that he gives to his people is I want you to see some things from my perspective. I want you to see life from my viewpoint. Well, what is it that Jesus wants us to see? You know, what did he want his disciples to see? What does he want you and me to see? Well, three real brief things we're going to look at today. First thing that Jesus wants you and I to see is that he has authority. Jesus wants us to know that he has authority. Now, look with me in verse number 18. It says, Then Jesus came near, and he came near to the disciples, and he said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus wanted his followers to know, listen, I have authority. Now, I believe this. I believe self-centeredness for most people is rooted in fear more than anything else. And I think that's the case because there's, there's a lot of you who have reached out to people, you've served people, you've loved people, you've, you've gone out of your way to, to do things nice for people, and many times when you've done that, you've gotten burned by it. And he said, I, mean, I, I tried to do this for them. They, ne they never told me thank you. They took advantage of what I did for them. And what can happen is you can become cynical whenever stuff like that begins to happen, and you begin to say, I'm not doing that again. 
You know, I'm not going to reach out for that person and, and, and try to be somebody for them as a servant to them because they don't appreciate it. And, and as a matter of fact, they've taken advantage of me. And so we step back and say, there's one thing I will do, though. I'm going to take care of me. You know, I'm not going to get burned again. And so we become very inward focused and we try to take care of ourselves and we totally ignore the outside world. And I think that's where the disciples were at this point in our text. Because what had happened is for three years, excuse me, for three years, these men had given up everything to follow Jesus. You know, they'd given up their jobs. They'd given up their security and comfort. They, they left their homes. And they were traveling with Jesus. And they're excited because Jesus is doing some incredible stuff. He's healing people. He's teaching with great power. He's talking about a kingdom. You know, they're an occupied country, and they're thinking, we are finally going to be on top. You know, we're going to get our dues. And then what does Jesus do? He goes to the cross and dies. It's like, at this point, they're like devastated. Like, what is that all about? You know, we've given everything to follow you, Jesus, and now you're bailing out on us. But then something three days later, incredible happens. Jesus rises from the dead. So they're all excited again, and then Jesus meets with them right here in our text, and what does Jesus do? So I'm getting ready to leave you. Okay, so now they're disappointed again. And so emotionally, they're on a roller coaster ride. And it would have been very easy for them to just say, let's just go back to Galilee where we're from, and let's just pick up life where we were before Jesus ever came onto the scene. And so that's why Jesus comes along, and he shares with them a word of encouragement. What does he tell them? He says, I have authority. I have authority over all things, heaven and earth. Now, so that sounds good. I mean, what in the world does that mean? The word authority, it means the right to use power. Now, let me tell you something. You're going to pay attention to a guy who says, I have all authority, if he's gotten up from the dead. All right? I mean, when, it doesn't mean much if I say it. Let me tell you something, if, if, but when Jesus said it, it meant everything to the disciples because he had proved that he had authority. Even before, when Jesus saw people in sickness and disease, he demonstrated authority by conquering it and giving healing. Whenever Jesus saw other people who were in need of hope, Jesus had authority over depression and hopelessness by giving a message of hope. Jesus showed his authority even over Satan's greatest weapon, which was death, because he conquered it. Now, you can look at that and say, well, that's, that's neat, but how does that impact my life? The way it impacts your life is because Jesus has authority means you can live with freedom over fear. You can, you can live with freedom over fear. Why? Because Jesus has authority. Jesus has power over all things. Let me try to give you an example. This past summer, uh, our family went to see or went to visit Emily's brother in the Dominican Republic. Uh, he works at the United States Embassy down there, and so he had just moved there, so we went down to see him. We spent the night with him, and the next morning, he and his wife were taking us up to the, we were going out to the coast, and which is it's absolutely beautiful there. And so we were, there's two cars. He was driving one. We're behind him in a car, and we're, so we're traveling up there. As we're driving, we were going a little bit fast um, as we were driving up there, and uh, so we come over a um, we came over a hill, and when we came over hills, we're driving up to the coast. There's two Dominican policemen. They're like standing in the road, waving us over. Okay, now when I see that, 
I'm automatically, because I don't speak very good Spanish. I know how to say, I want number 11, you know, whenever I go to San Jose's. But that's it. And so I'm thinking, we are in trouble. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking that the taken scenario. You know, they're going to pull me over, and they're going to hold me hostage, and then I'm going to have to hope that Emily is going to be Liam Neeson, because I'm not, I'm not doing anything. And so they pull us over, and I'm waiting to get a ticket, and Emily's brother, pull, he's nonplus, and he pulls out his wallet, and he's got his diplomat card. You know what that does? That is, I need one. He, he gives us a diplomat card, and the policeman steps back, and he waves us on through. His diplomatic immunity. Now, I'm not promoting speeding, although if you're going to, that card is awesome. And so, but I, I was able to relax because I knew that if I'm with him, if I'm with a guy who has diplomatic immunity, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I don't have to worry about anything. Now, the same idea is true here in our text. What Jesus is saying, when he says, I have all authority, Jesus is saying, listen, the world can throw a bunch of junk and garbage at you that can destroy you. He says, if you're with me, I have authority. If you're with me, I have a diplomatic immunity card that can get you through all of this. Now, I'm not naive enough to say that as we live in this world that, that we're going to be untouched by the things of this world. I, I know a lot of you, and you are carrying scars in your life right now because of what the world's done to you. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you have to live in fear. Because in the Google Earth view of things with God, he says, listen, I've already won. As you struggle and as you hurt in life, you can take hope and confidence in knowing I have already taken care of your future. That's why we're told in 1 John 5.13, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, what does Jesus want us to see in this life? He wants us to see that he has authority, and that means everything. He has authority. But Jesus also wants us to see something else. He wants us to see that we also have a mission. And I think that's one of the great things to know about this life. Jesus has authority, but he has made you and me for a mission in life. Uh, look in verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, life without deadlines and life without purpose, that can be fun for a while. I think that's why we enjoy like vacation. When you go on vacation, it's nice not to be responsible for anything, isn't it? I mean, you're, you know, when we go on vacation, we typically, typically go to the beach for a week, and we'll go down there, and our job is to eat and to wake up whenever we want to. Now, that's fun, but after about two days, I'm getting antsy. I'm getting a little bit nervous because, you know, there's only so much of nothing that you can do. And if you feel that way, I really believe this. I believe you feel that way because I, I believe that's, I think that's from God. Now, I'm not saying relaxing is a bad thing, but God, when God made us, he made us with purpose. He made us to fulfill a mission. Now, what we try to do is we, we try to fill up our lives with missions to fulfill us. When we're at the beach, you know, my mission is paddleball. 
And so me and the boys will go out there, and we're on the beach, and we're trying to break the all-time record. Now, that's a mission. Let me tell you, that's not a satisfying mission, though. You know, after a while, you're thinking, okay, we've hit this thing a thousand times consecutively. Surely there's more to life than this, you know? So, you, so after a while, you have to say, well, then what can I fill my life up that will fulfill me? So a lot of us, we try a lot of different things to bring fulfillment into our lives. We want, to, we want to have a good job. We want to make money. We want to be able to buy a nice house. We want to be able to save up enough to pay for our kids' college. All those things, those things are all fine. Nothing wrong with those things. But if that is your mission in life, I promise you this, it will not, it will not fill you up. Ultimately, it will end up leaving you empty. Now, now, why is that? Because God has a specific mission for us as well, one that will fulfill us completely. Now, you might say, well, what mission does he have for me? It's found in verse 19. Verse 19, Jesus tells us our mission is to go into the nations and to reach people with the message of Jesus. That's our mission. Now, you might say, well, that might be your mission, not my mission. Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, it is your mission. You see, this is, this is a command that comes from Jesus. It is your mission. It is my mission. Now, what happens if we are not fulfilling that mission? Well, what happens is then we become self-centered. And we begin to live life for me instead of living life for what God has called us to do. And for many of us, what that means is that we become more and more like the world. Now, I think a lot of times we're afraid to fulfill the mission because we're afraid, well, I might mess up the mission. I might, I might say something or do something that will botch the message. Or if I try to share the message, there might be people who think I'm weird. You know, if, I'm ta- if I talk about Jesus. And guys, let me tell you something. If you decide you're going to live for Jesus, there's, there are struggles that come with that. I look at Jesus himself. Did you know Jesus' brothers thought he was weird? You know, we talk about Jesus healing people, and we talk about him being the son of God, and, and it was like, isn't that, isn't that awesome? Jesus' brothers did not think so. They thought, he was, they thought he was a weirdo. They said, go somewhere else. Don't be around us. Did you know that when Jesus spoke that he also offended people? We get nervous. If I speak about Jesus, I might offend people. I mean, you will. Jesus offended people. That's why he ended up on a cross. But that's why Jesus gives us the message here. He says, listen, he said, as I share your mission with you, I want you to remember, though, that I have all authority. That for live in confidence. Don't worry about what other people might say. Be obedient to me. You know, one of the things, one of my favorite things about, about our church is that there's so many of you who want to fulfill the mission God's given you want, to, you want to share, and you want to serve, and you want to tell people about Christ, even though there is a cost that comes with it. Now, we believe that we have this mission. And the, more specifically, how we're going to fulfill this mission as a church is we've talked about we're going to start a new campus. And we've been talking about this for a number of months now. And uh, Jonathan Ruth and his wife Tiffany, they have come. They're going, to, they're going to lead that mission over there and help, help make sure that everything gets off the ground as we start a new mission. Now, I wanted to share with you all, he said, now where's this, where's this, play, where's this going to take place? And uh, we, haven't, we haven't mentioned it a whole lot because we had to tie some things down before we began to, to share where it's going to be. But I'm going to share with you right now where it's going to be. Now, you all are going to be at first service, heard it first. And I know that it's been leaked out. 
And I said, probably, it was probably, you know, probably me, because I was excited about it, and I probably, you know, shot my mouth off before I should have. But where's this new mission going to take place? This new campus is going to take place at Westwood High School, uh, which is seven miles from here. We have a few pictures. I just want you all to see the inside of the building. Um, yeah, that's the, um, that's the inside of the auditorium where we'll meet. Y'all, this is light years ahead of Bethel Hanbury. Uh, if y'all remember Bethel Hanbury, we had pigeons at Bethel Hanbury in the gym. And so it's one of my favorite things I'd be preaching, and I'd just look out, and everybody's going like this. You know, just watching the birds fly back and forth. I, don't even, I was like, man, I don't even know why I'm here. Uh, but but we are, we're going to be at Westwood High School. Now you say, why are y'all going there? Well, because we, we believe God's opened up the doors for us to go there. You know, one of the neat things is that for over a year, people in the school, the administration, they've asked us to come. So there's people that need to be reached. Now, is that, is that going to be an easy thing for us to do? Is it going to be costly? Is there going to be a risk involved? Absolutely to all those things. A risk, cost, we could keep the money for ourselves. Because we know this, we have a mission. And our mission is to tell others about Christ. To teach Scripture. To see people come into a walk with Jesus. And you know, I don't want us to look back at the end of our lives and say, man, I wish I would have done some things differently. I just say, let's just go ahead and get it over with and do it now. You know, so that we don't have to say that. It's a really interesting story about George Bernard Shaw. He, he was playing the what-if game before he died, and a reporter asked him this question. He said, Mr. Shaw, if you could live your life over and be anybody you've known or any person from history, who would you be? And his answer was very interesting. He said, I would choose to be the man George Bernard Shaw could have been, but never was. I don't want us to ever give an answer like that. Let's go ahead and be who God's called us to be now. And not look back and say, I wish I would have been the person that I should have been, but I never was. That's why Jesus tells us, he tells his followers... He says, I have authority, you have a mission. And the last thing he wants us to see is that we also have his presence. And knowing that we have a mission is greatly backed up when we know that we also have his presence with us as we fulfill his mission. Verse 20, Jesus said, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember this, he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. My favorite part right here. The mission Jesus has for his followers right here, it is humongous. Jesus doesn't give this little tiny mission. I mean, he says, I got plans for you. What is, what is Jesus' mission? He goes, all right, guys, there's 11 of them. Here's what he tells them. Reach the world. Well, that's kind of large, don't you think? 11 guys. The only thing I want you to do is I just want you to reach the world. That's it. Could they do it? Yeah. You know, you know why they could do it? Because Jesus has authority. They could do it because Jesus was going to be with them. And Jesus never calls us to do something that he will not enable us to be able to do. The disciples, at this point, I mean, Jesus has been crucified, but he's been raised from the dead. He's leaving. The disciples are going back to the same people who just killed Jesus. It would have been easy for Jesus to say, y'all better lie low for a while. What does Jesus tell them to do? He says, go make a big splash. I know they just killed me, but go in there anyway because I'm going to be with you and I've got a mission for you to fulfill. It is a big-time mission. Did it happen? 
At Pentecost, about 50 days later, there's 120 followers of Jesus gathered together, and they begin to pray for God's Spirit. And what happened? Y'all, God's Spirit fell upon His people. And within weeks, there were thousands of people who became followers of Jesus, and th th these people were the seeds that were spread throughout the ancient world to begin to tell people about Jesus. And 2,000 years later, there are billions of people who claim to be followers of Christ. That is a cool story. I believe, as a church, God has given us a mission. And we are going to be the seeds that are planted to reach a whole new community of people. Now, is that scary? It is to me. Is it risky? It's risky. But guys, let me tell you something. Our God is a big God. You know, we need to dream big. We need to dream so much bigger than we dream right now. I know in my own life, you know, I'm like, God, you know, just you know, pr protect us, Lord, watch over us, and I pray that we'll have a good service. Well, that's good things. How about we change our prayers a little bit? God, let us reach the world for you. God, I pray that you will change the young people's lives that are over at that school, that are in our schools now. God, I pray that we will see men and women who will be transformed by the message of Jesus so that their children's lives, their trajectory of their lives will be forever changed. Let's trust God for big things. You know, we, we live in a world that is very dark, and it's very easy to be cynical. Y'all, I can be cynical. I can be so cynical. I'm when I watch the news, it's awful. I'll sit there, and I'm talking to the TV, griping. I watched last week, there was a story about a, a Texas high school football coach who was invited by some of his players to come to their church to baptize them. He did, and he almost got fired. They said, you are breaching the separation between church and state. It did not happen at school. It happened at church. I'm watching that story, and I'm just going, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm about to go nuts. You've got to be kidding me. And I started saying, thing, I like, you know, it, yeah, we're, it's too late. Christians can just hang it up. It's over. We're done. I don't think Jesus can make a difference. I mean, this is what I'm saying in my cynical state. And, you know, when I say stuff like that, I'm making a big mistake. Because I'm denying what Jesus said here. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I have all authority. Now, do we believe that? You know what? If, if we don't, let's at least be like the guy in the New Testament that said, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let's just put him to the test. Say, Jesus, if you have all authority, then work through us and let us see it. Y'all, the only hope in our world today, I, I, I said, I've said this so many times, our only hope, it is Jesus. And we live in a dark, and I love life, but we live in a dark and angry world. But here's the deal. Jesus is the light of the world. And we are the light bearers. Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven in our text. And Jesus says, before I leave, you need to understand some things. There's some things I want you to see. I want you to see that I have authority. I want you to see that you have a mission. And I want you to see that you have my presence. Isn't that great? Jesus promises to be with his people. And folks, our world is dying to see the presence, the 
power of God. And they're only going to see it when God's people let him work through them. We are standing at an opportunity where we're going to see God work through us and reveal himself to a whole new community of people. Can God use us? You better believe it. Will God use us? I honestly believe that he will because he is true to his word.